Hello, and welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we do intros poorly. We also talk about how habits build you and about how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here. I'm joined once again by John Bruce, who happens to be a pastor here as well. He also happens to be my dad. This also happens to be a podcast, and we happen to be back after a very long hiatus. So I went on vacation, then Dad, you went on vacation, and then Max, who produces the show, he went on vacation, and then we all came back from vacation, and then we remembered that we had a podcast, and so now we are back. Dad, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm fine. I'm trying to remember what a podcast is, and so... <laughs> I think I see our problem. It's what the kids are listening to yeah, these days, the, yeah, those podcasts. Young, young people. Yeah. All two of them. Yeah, they're not listening to this podcast, but they're listening to podcasts. So, Well, we are back today to continue our series on the habits of healthy community. Jesus came to earth, he died, he rose, and he did all of these things to claim a bride for himself, a people for his own possession. That means Jesus did not come simply so I could have a personal, private, customized relationship with God. No, Jesus came to reconcile a people to himself, a people who would showcase his reconciling power to the world. And that's what the church is. It's this community of God's people that are the effect of Christ's work. The church is the outward evidence that that Christ's work has actually accomplished something, that he has brought us together. And the culture of the church is meant to reflect the character of God. The culture of the church is meant to reflect the character of the God who has saved us. So we are called as believers to be a community that acts in such a way that that our message is proclaimed, that we embody our message in the way we treat each other. Uh, Scripture says it's our love that displays Jesus' saving love which means, as we have said, that there is much at stake in our relationships with each other. How do we live in healthy community? How do we give the world an accurate picture of the God we proclaim to worship? What are the habits of healthy community? How do we cultivate them? Well, these are the questions we've been trying to answer. In Romans 12, the Apostle Paul offers a kind of blueprint for healthy community. We're working slowly through his commands, and, and I think we're trying to see the kind of culture that should characterize our church and every church. So, Dad, thus far, we've seen that the church is called to be a culture of genuine love, a culture of honor, and today we see that a healthy community is a consistent community. Paul wants us to pursue consistency in our relationship with God, but also in our relationships with each other. Verse 11, Paul says it like this, we should not be lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's the NASB. The ESV puts it like this. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Dad, thoughts on pursuing consistency? Yeah, as I thought about this passage, it's a a great passage. I hadn't thought about it a lot, but I, I think the overriding feeling I get from these these phrases is uh, is energy mm-hmm. bringing energy bringing spiritual energy intellectual energy emotional energy even 
physical energy. It is, it is the opposite of being lazy, um, apathetic, um, careless, but it's really putting 100% of ourselves into our relationship with God and our relationship with people. And so I think that the question I was left as I, as I began to look at this is, is am I an energy giver or am I, am I an energy taker? That's good. I think that theme of energy does tie these, these three commands together. Um, laziness that's talked about here, it's, it's indolence. Uh, it's the same word in the Greek translation of the New Testament, uh, Old Testament uh, for sluggard or slothful. Yeah. Um, the person who has lots of great ideas but just cannot put them into action. Yeah. And regardless of how many lofty ideals we have about community or what it should look like, what Paul is saying here is that if we do not pursue intentionality in our relationships, if we are not investing significant amounts of energy into these relationships, then those ideals will never be realized. Right, right. Now, I just think about my experience with athletics or, or any kind of group activity. Uh, they are always energy givers. There are people who are just spark plugs, that just being around them. It gets everybody else energized and charged up. And, um, and there's also hitchhikers. There's people who just are along for the ride, and they just drain. And uh, really, what kind of person predominates the group really will determine how far the group goes. Do you have a, an energetic, uh, diligent, consistent group, um, or do you have kind of a lazy, indolent group that everybody's waiting for somebody else to take the, make the first move? Right. Yeah, there's a irony in a healthy community, and it's this. I think people want community because they want to receive. Yeah. They, they, they know I have a need for, for meaningful relationships. I want to have that connection. And so they, they come in with an expectation that uh, I'm going to find that here. I'm going to find amazing community. And if everyone comes in with that expectation, <laughs> if everyone comes in looking to receive, everyone is going to be disappointed. Right. Uh, because someone in the group has to say, I'm going to start loving, serving, encouraging, pursuing these people without expecting something in return. Right. And until that person puts that sort of one-way energy into the group, where they're just going to say, you know what, it takes time to build community, it takes effort, this is a stone that is still right now, and it's going to take some pushing to get this thing moving in the direction you want it to be, um, Unless those people are in the group, the community is never fostered. Um, and, yeah. I, and I think, and I'd be interested to see what you, you have to say about this. I think this gets truer the older you get in terms of intentionality in community. Because one thing I've seen a lot is that a, a lot of believers have these incredible experiences in college, either through a parachurch ministry or going to a Christian college where community just felt easy. It felt natural to be in community. And then they go, well, that's Christian community. And... Um, and, and I want to recapture that. Yeah, yeah. And the problem is you can never recreate that context again where you have that much time and that much affinity with people. And as you get older and as you get into your career or get married or have kids, it takes a lot more zeal, a lot more intentionality just to maintain relationships with yeah. people, let alone cultivate healthy relationships. And I've seen some people, when they see that, go, well, this isn't natural, this isn't happening, so I just I don't have healthy community anymore. And I just think, no, you just forgot that it takes work now, or you don't recognize how much work it takes, how much zeal it takes 
to cultivate this. Have, have you experienced that? What are your thoughts on oh, that? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, when you're aware of a need, you work hard to meet that need. Um, when you no longer have the need, um, then it's an issue of character. Um, if I believe that this is something God wants me to do, then I will do it. If I don't, I will just go to uh, what's easiest, what's most convenient for me. And, uh, you know, I've got I've to get this work project done this weekend. I don't have time to spend with people. Or, um, or I, you know, I could go across the street and talk to my neighbors, but I'd rather stay home and watch TV. Um, it's just because there's no... So rather than responding to our, our own selfish desires and our needs, and that's what gets us to do the right thing, like maybe when we first got started, now we're just going for whatever, whatever feels good now, and, and there isn't the character part, character piece of the, of the pursuing what is good for everybody. So why is this so destructive for a community? Um, indolence, laziness. Um, a lack of zeal, um, a, a lack of initiative. Um, why is that destructive or particularly bad? Well, I think one thing I think of is it's that our needs are met as we meet other people's needs. The body is reciprocating. It's not like you're always in the need chair and you're not always in the meeting the need chair. You're in both chairs simultaneously. Hmm. And so that if you go into a group, feed me, pay attention to me, make me the most important person in the group, make me feel welcome, stuff like that, you're shutting down half of the, the, the process because you're not there to meet other people's needs too. So it's right. when we're when we're ministering to each other and we're outdoing each other and trying to serve each other, that's when we have our own needs met. But when we make ourselves the reciprocant, is that what I want? The yeah. recipient? The recipient. Yeah. The recipient, he said, coining a word. Uh, <laughs> I like the reciprocant. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> uh, and, and not the giver. Mm-hmm. We shut down the whole process. Yeah. If you think of the image of the body in Ephesians 4, that, that Christ is the life giver from the head, but the life from the head flows through the members of the body. Yeah. Well, the minute that I say I need to receive and will not give and sort of make that calculation in my heart, I have become a dam rather than a conduit. Yeah. yeah. And so now Christ's power, his work, his presence is not going to flow through me to others. Yeah. yeah. And so there's a, a blockage in the circulation <laughs> yeah. for the people of God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One thing that stands out to me about this is I, I think as believers, it's really important to understand that a lot of community dies just by benign neglect. Yes. And and that we really have to take seriously not just the sins of commission, but the sins of omission in Christian community. I think a lot of times when we define sin as Christians, we focus on sins of commission. And so just to make the distinction, classically Christians have said there are sins of commission, sins of omission. And sins of commission are sins where you do something that God forbids. You cross a line God says do not cross. Right. But a sin of omission is just failing to pursue what God says to pursue. Right. Or failing to obey what God says to obey. Yeah. And often we think, well, the most destructive thing for community will be the sins of commission. If I slander, if I hurt other people, if I speak evil against other people, if I 
um, mistreat them in one of these ways, if I abuse them, and yes, all of those things will destroy community. I, I don't think over time that's the thing that causes community to atrophy as much as benign neglect. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're going to sin against each other. We're going to hurt each other. There has to be a means of repenting, confessing, owning sin, making amends, reconciling, giving restitution, moving on. That'll always be the case in human community. But a lot of times, I think it's just the sin of omission, which in this case is just being lazy in our relationships. We stop pursuing people. We stop praying for people. We stop reaching out to people who are in our small group. We fail to show up to meetings. We fail to be there in their times of need. And when that happens, it's, uh, the group will inevitably start to, to atrophy um, because in that absence, um, that void of love, all sorts of things brew indifference toward each other. Yeah even maybe suspicion of each other. Like, is that person still into this? Does this person still like me? Uh, all of these thoughts begin to come in that, ah, this community isn't that great. It's not really worth being a part of. Yeah. And people check out, and the community dies, even though there's been nothing ostensibly that blew it up. It's just benign neglect. And, and the passage that came to mind to me was uh, Proverbs. I had it, and then it was gone. Proverbs 18, 9, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Yeah, exactly. If That's you are good. slack in your love for other believers, you are unleashing a destructive force yeah. into the body of Christ. And I think we have to see how serious it is to become complacent. Right, right. No, negligence is a, is a huge problem. Um, wherever you, I, you know, you can look at, see it at marriage. Marriage is not just... Uh, not doing bad things. Don't cheat on each other. Not cheating on each other. It's you have to pers- you have to work hard, um, all the time to keep the relationship intact because there is a natural drifting apart from each other, mm-hmm. and and uh, and this, that's even truer in the body of Christ. Yeah, it's not enough that that I don't have anybody mad at me, or I haven't offended anybody. Um, it's if I'm not pursuing people's good, if I'm not. Uh, diligent to do everything I can to build them up, then we are going to naturally drift apart. It's just, it's just inevitable. That's the world we live, we live in. And so having a healthy church, I think what the, kind of, the, if you had to summarize this verse, um, having a healthy community is a lot of work. Yeah. And it has, to, you have to keep relationships in good repair. Now, it, when you, it's like keeping in shape. When you stay in shape, you feel so much better yeah. than when you don't stay in shape. But you can you can get away with not being in shape for quite a while before, it, you know, the, everything falls in on top of you and go. Oh, I wish I wouldn't have uh, let myself go. Yeah, and I think that's true of the body too. Is is that those little daily acts of diligently keeping our relationships close and pursuing each other and putting each other before ourselves pay off, just like in a marriage. Hugely and neglecting those things you won't see that the, the result right away normally yeah but eventually suddenly you re- realize people that used to be close are no longer close yeah and and uh, it, it, something has died and it's very sad it is and I I think we could take that body analogy further in saying you know if you have made healthy choices with your body um, you can much more easily withstand sickness or junk food, or the occasional lousy meal, right? 
uh, your body has a built-in resistance to those kind of things. And similarly, when you are investing consistently in other people, where you are checking in on them, you are weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice, all the things this passage talks about, where you are encouraging them, where you are serving them, um, you can then weather difficulty in the community so much more easily. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, with the divisions that have taken place in the COVID world, in the church, right, where we've had all of these social, political, cultural upheavals, and Christians are beginning to divide, how much of that is due to benign neglect on the front end, where Christians really weren't making investments in each other, they weren't really loving one another sacrificially, and then we get pulled apart physically and begin to argue about these things on the internet, it's just sort of the, the nail in the coffin, yeah. because we didn't have that spiritual immune system built up of just serving one another with zeal so that we could weather some hard things and yeah. some disagreements and actually work through them to a better, to a better healthier community. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and the verse that came to mind there is, is 1 Peter 4.8, when it says, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Right. I can have someone let me down big time, but if they have a track record of loving me and serving me, I'm not going to write them off. Exactly. I'm going to work on that relationship. Yeah, yeah. No, you, you look at so many people who were once close and felt like they'd always be close, who have drifted apart and uh, said things, done things, because and they, they allowed those, those little foxes, the little, <laughs> you know, the, the little acts of neglect to push them further and further apart until then when something happened, they didn't have the resources to rebound from that right? because they hadn't been kept keeping their relationships in repair. Yeah. An- another image that marriage counselors use all the time, right, is, is investments and withdrawals. Mm. And if you're making little investments every day in, in the right things, you can make withdrawals yeah. <laughs> and still have a lot of money left in the bank yeah. in terms of the love bank. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so dad, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm convicted. Uh, my lack of zeal, my complacency here. But I, I think the question is, how do we cultivate zeal? How do we cultivate fervency to be consistent, to be diligent? Um, you know, I'm thinking of the listener who's kind of gotten complacent with their relationships with other people in their small group where, you know, maybe they haven't met in person for a while. They're kind of out of sight, out of mind. Um, how do you start to cultivate that again? Well, I think one thing is is you have to st- uh, stop waiting for others to get you going. Mm. Um, um, that you have to come to Christ yourself. He's the vine, you're the branch. Right. And so it's his power that is going to work through you and, and strengthen you and, and things like that. So you're not looking to other Christians to do for you what only Jesus can do. Yeah. That's, that's number one. And then second... Jesus wants to use you in other people's lives. So that's why you get together with them, is not for what you can get, but for what you can give. And so you focus on edifying and encouraging and building up instead of complaining or instead of uh, looking for attention or all the other things we do and, and make other people the, at- the center of attention rather than yourself um, and and things like that. So I think that just that it's more blessed to give than receive, mm-hmm. that we, re- we, we really experience Christ most when we act like Christ most. Yeah. And, and, we, That's and, good. And, and we put ourselves in a position to, I'm going to be the giver, I'm going to be the server, I'm going to be the, 
I'm going to look for ways I can really be the encouragement and be Christ's tool in these people's lives and trust that he will meet my needs through them in the way, any way he wants to. So I think that's kind of got to be the mindset that I, me and Jesus <laughs> and, and, uh, I've got to be these people's servant because he has served me. Yeah, I'm responding to Jesus, not to the complacent people around me. Yeah, exactly. And then there's always going to be complacent people. There, there were, I mean, they were in Jesus' group, and, and there always will be. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's looking for those people who have the same heart you have, who are really, who are just looking for somebody else they can partner up with that'll, they're pursuing Christ and and focus on those people, not ignore the other people, but really ask God to give you a person of like heart. I think it's really important. Yeah, it's good. And the other thing I would say is to realize that zeal is not an effect; it's something you choose. You you don't you know you don't either. You're not naturally zealous or not. That's not it at all. It's it's more you're choosing to be wholehearted in what God has called you to do. And so every day you have a responsibility to respond to God in by faith and say, I will be enthusiastic about this. I this this is important. This is rather than waiting for me to f- have a feeling of enthusiasm or wait for yeah. somebody else to come along and make me enthusiastic. Yeah. That's really good. When Paul says, um, be fervent in spirit, um I think you could translate it as be fervent in the Spirit, Hmm. or the Holy Spirit. And I think uh, a lot of modern commentators lean in that direction. Um, I think there's something to be said about that, because the truth is our spirits get fanned into flame when we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That The energy that we're bringing to the table here has to be a supernatural energy. Right. It's God's Spirit at work in us that makes us zealous, diligent, all of these things. It's the fruit of the Spirit um, that comes from the filling of the Spirit. And and so this is an important clarifying point that I think dovetails with what you just said. How do you get filled with the Spirit? And it is not, oh, I'm just going to kind of wait around until I feel inspired. No, it's a command Paul gives, be filled with the Spirit. And, and the way I think about it is, if, if, if I wanted to get hit by lightning, I would have to go up on a mountain and hold a lightning rod up to position myself in a place where it is most likely that I'm going to become a lightning rod. And being filled with the Spirit is a sim- similar thing. There are actions I can take, there are choices I can make where I access the Spirit's power. And Paul lists them out in Ephesians 5. He says, be filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? Well, he gives these participles that are the means of being filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So worship, um, just privately praising God or corporately is a way I access the power of the Spirit, giving thanks, um, choosing to dwell on the good and the things I can be thankful for is a way to be filled with the Spirit. And then submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ, me saying, I am going to serve you with no expectation of anything in return. When I make that decision, Paul says, guess who shows up? The Spirit to empower you to carry that out. Yeah. And so I, I think it's really important to see we don't have the resources or the power to love people this way. And we're, if we have to feel our way into it, it's not going to happen. Right. But if by faith we act we can be confident the Spirit is going to show up with re, re, you know, air reinforcements that, that we could never muster up 
yeah. to really make an impact in other people's lives. That's good. No, I mean, you can never, we never get beyond the principle of faith. The righteous shall live by faith, which means everything we do, we do in faith because God said it, not because we have an experience. Mm-hmm. And the experience is always the result of stepping out on faith rather than uh, I wait for the experience and then I obey. That's called sight. Yeah, that's called sight. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so when uh, the, the armies of Israel trusted God, those rare times, and, <laughs> and, uh, and actually stepped out on faith, it wasn't they felt this in, incredible supernatural boldness that we're going to win this battle. They said, God told us to go, we're going, he's going to have to win. But as soon as the battle started, they found themselves filled with, with power they didn't know they had and boldness. And, and when they needed it, they had it. And that's true for everything in the Christian life. You have to put yourself, like you said, in a position to receive that and step out on faith, and then God will give it to you the moment you need it. Yep. Oh, that's good. Any other thoughts? Um. I think it's just, it's, it's very simple of just seeing ourselves as members, and we've told this before, but members of the body, that we need each other and others need us. Yeah. And so um, it's constantly looking for ways to contribute and encourage other people's walks rather than waiting to be contributed to, waiting to be encouraged, um, waiting to be served. Um, I find people who serve generally have their needs met, and, and people who don't serve generally don't. And that is the great paradox, and it really gets to the paradox of what Jesus says, that he who tries to save his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake is, will find it. Yeah. It's the most generous people who are the most content and the most rich in spirit, yeah. right? It's, yeah. it's the most servant-hearted that, that feel as if their own needs are met and they have a supply. Right. Um, and so that's the promise for us in this, is if you really want to experience the vine and the life of the vine, realize that you have infinite resources in Christ already, yeah. that He has the resources to meet all your needs. And so out of that fullness, give, and you'll experience His power at work yeah. through you. That's good. The other thing I'd say, um, I just lost the thought. Well, I thought you were done, and so I was going to come in for a really good landing there, okay. um, but, but you can keep going. Oh. Go ahead and land, because I think that, just, <laughs> I just, that thought just flew away. Just, it flew away. I landed, and then you took off, <laughs> but you're not sure where you're going. Yeah, right. And I'm not sure where this metaphor is going, <laughs> but I know where this podcast is going, and that's toward a close. So thank you, listeners, for your patience, and we will be back with you sooner than two months to continue this series. Uh, in the meantime, have a blessed week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.